even going through a season of that right now and even in our family where there's days where you feel alone. There's people all around you. It's the weirdest feeling because there's people checking on you. There's people hugging your neck. They're shaking your hand. They're, they're telling you they love you and, and you just feel alone. It, it, it's not the person. You, you love the person trying to give you affection, but that's not the one you want. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's an issue. It's a problem. But we have a solution this morning. And that solution is Christ. That when, when people, the people that we love aren't even enough, God is. God is enough. only thing I can say this morning is, is to keep to keep going on, to keep pressing forward, to keep seeking after our Lord because He says that if we seek Him, we're going to find Him. And you say, well, I've been saved and, and, and I found Him, you know, 17 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Thank, thank God. Seek Him still. I can't go a day, Brother Josh, without seeking my Lord. Because if I try, I fail. I need Him. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 4. I want to speak this morning under a title, Compassion Brings Conviction. Compassion Brings Conviction. Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 8 through 20. Don't worry, we're not preaching all the verses. We're setting up for the next couple, the next couple weeks, God willing. Galatians chapter 20, or sorry, chapter 4, verse 20. I want to read verses 19 and 20, and then we can be seated. The Word of God reads like this, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now, and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Lord, I thank You for Your Spirit that we feel in this place, O oh God, that we are not worthy, but yet You gather with us, O oh God, that You bring Yourself down to us. Lord, help us to continue, O oh God, to understand Your Word. Lord, help us to hear the message for this morning. Lord, I ask that You anoint my lips, Lord, these lips of clay, Lord, that You didn't feel this vessel. Help me to say what needs to be said today, Lord. I ask this in Your name. Amen. I want to read for us verses 8 through 20. I want it to read verses 19 through 21st because that's where we're headed in in the first three chapters, we can say that Paul has said some hard sayings. He's called people foolish, both people inside and outside of the church. He's, he's pronounced curses on those who would bring a, a false gospel. He said it would be better for them just to not be here than to say the things that they're saying. He's given us warnings for both inside and outside the church. He said, he said a lot of hard things, and even in his own words, Paul has said, I am, I am angry. I am perplexed. I, am, I don't understand. I'm beside myself how you could be so foolish. He's talking to the churches of, 
of Galatia, but today we get a very a very fascinating passage of Scripture, something that we don't see in the Apostle Paul's writings much. We get to meet the pastor, Paul. The heart that Paul had for everyone that come to Christ in his in his missionary uh, endeavors, in his ministry, those that were birthed into these churches, he had a, a heart of compassion towards them. And in verse 19, we see that he's called these people foolish. He's called them a bunch of things. But today he's calling them my children. That, that's not a condescending Way that's not saying that you're immature in your faith. That's not saying that you're babes in Christ and you should be like right. Like Paul speaks a lot of times, but he is he is placing ownership over these people. He's saying, I, "I'm angry with you. I'm perplexed. I don't understand why you are the way that you are, but but you're still mine." And he says, "My children." He even talks about them in a sense of of a, mer- a mother birthing a child. Look again at verse 19. He says, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. So how, how long is Paul, the pastor Paul, going to, uh, going to act towards these people until he sees Christ formed in them? And that truly is uh, the heart of any preacher, any pastor of a church, if he is called by God, God puts this burden within him and there's there's no uh, really no other way to describe it other than being in labor towards people. And that very much is the truth this morning. I can say with experience, I hope that you can see within me that there is a burden uh, placed on me for you, for those that are in this congregation, for those that are in this church, I labor until I see Christ formed in you. And guess what? That's a labor that happens until somebody else fills this pulpit because we're never fully formed in Christ until we reach glory. But thank God that we see Christ in us. So that's what Paul is saying here. He's, he's switching his tone, or, or at least that's his prayer. Look at verse, uh, verse 20. He's laboring until Christ is formed in them, but I could wish to be present with you and, and change my tone. In other words, Paul says, I know I've said some hard things, but I'm not there. I've got to put this on paper. How many has ever read a text wrong? Uh, right? It, it's a lot better to be in person and to speak with that person, right? Because I can read a lot of things into, into letters on paper. And this, is, this was a letter to the churches that got passed around. And I'm sure like all good people do, they, they add it to some things. Or, or if I read that letter and I didn't really like what I heard, I handed it off to the next person and good luck reading this, right? You, you, you have some, some certain uh, uh, biases towards reading things on in text, right? So Paul understands that and he says, I wish I could be with you and you could hear in my voice that although I, I am perplexed, I, I don't really understand how you people got to this place, but I still love you and I want to, I want to bring you under conviction through the Spirit by love. 
What does the Word of God tell us that the people would know that we are of God? It's by the love that we have one for another. So let's read, before I get to preaching too much, our text. Starting back in verse 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, that's important, we'll talk about that in a second. But now that you have come to know God, but rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months, seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps... I have labored over you in vain. I beg of you, brethren. See, he calls them brethren, and he calls them my children. He's, he's showing this, this love here. Beco- become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you, the first time, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus Himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and give them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. There's a lot in this passage. And we're going to look again next week, God willing, at verses 19 and 20, talking about sanctification. Because up to this point, we've hammered on the fact that our works contribute nothing to our salvation. But the other places in the Bible tell us that out of salvation comes works. It's even told that God, before the foundations of the earth, has predestined us to good Works. All those who would believe, there will be works. So where in this place in our life is the works? Well, it's in a little place called sanctification where God is willing. He gives us the ability to choose good, to shun evil. There is a work to be done, but that's next week. If you've been wondering, where is, where is these good works? Where do I put in effort. Where is my responsibility? It's like Brother Levi said, it's in that little dash in between a year and a year. After salvation comes a work to be done. And thank God we have the power, we have the ability to do that work. He's called us to good works and He's given us the ability to do those works. Amen. Amen. God has literally thought of every single thing. The Bible tells us that we plan our ways, but He directs our path. Right? Thank God 
for this. There's a lot here. First, Paul brings back to remembrance the the first time that, that he met the Galatians. First, he says, it wasn't even really... Uh, my intention, Paul says, to preach to you, but I had a bodily illness and, and it caused me to stop. And while he was there, he preached the gospel and people come to Christ. And, and there's been a lot of debate on what this bodily illness was. You look at the original text and it's not necessarily a sickness, but more of a condition and, and uh, meaning an, an ongoing the thing and there's scholars out there that say that the lowlands at that time there was a malaria outbreak and Paul uh, possibly contracted malaria and he went to the hill country of the, of Galatia to try and get away from all of that he bled from his eyes others say which would contribute with malaria because malaria attacks your optical nerves and causes you to bleed and and lose your sight and things like that we know certain things about Paul through through his writings, one of those things is that he had a very hard time seeing. He, he could not see. Uh, Galatians, the letter to the Galatians was written by his own hand. We'll see uh, in chapter 6, he says, See how large letters I write to you. He's writing very big strokes so, so he can see what's going on. The other letters that he gets a secretary that comes in, but Paul always ended his letters in his own hand. And as you read through the epistles of Paul, you'll see, I, he'll see, I am now signing my own, uh, writing with my own pen. He signs his own name, right? He, he gives a farewell greeting in his own, his own hand. And it, it's, he's hard to see. He can't see. And here we see, that uh, there's evidence of that because he says, because of this illness, because of this condition, you, you loved me so much that, that you would have gave, given me your, your eyes if you could. You, you would have helped me in my condition. There's other places in his letter to Corinthians. I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where he, he talks, he boasts. And you say, what in the world? Well, there's a lot of people boasting in, in, their, in their own abilities in, in Corinth. And, and Paul basically says, you want to boast? You want to boast about being the best Christian? You want to boast about being the best Jew? You want to boast because you're a Hebrew? Well, well here, I'll boast to you. you know, Five times, listen to me, five times he's whipped 39 lashes. 40 lashes save one. The reason they did that was because they had found out they had whipped enough people that the average person would die if you whipped them 40 times. So they saved 40, uh, 40, one lash. So he's whipped 195 times. He's beaten with rods three times. He's thrown out of cities. He's put into prisons. He's literally stoned by the Jews in a city and drug out of that city and left for dead. And he gets up and he goes back and he preaches. We, we know the testimony of Paul. I say to you today that it was very hard to look at the person Paul. Paul was a beaten, broken, humble man when he came into your town. He wasn't anything to look at. He was one big scar tissue. He even says in his letters, I bear the marks. Right? of this calling that I've been called into. You want to know what it means to be an apostle? Look at me. I'm nothing 
good to look at. Imagine being stoned. Go back and Google how they stoned you. They, they buried you up to your waist and they pelted you with rocks until you died, until you give over, hitting in your face and your eyes and you're breaking your eye sockets. And his face is mangled. His back is mangled. He probably walks with a limp. I, I, I've never been beaten with rods, but three times beaten with rods, shipwrecked multiple times, bitten by snakes, you name it, it happened to Paul. And he says, I wasn't, I wasn't real easy to look at, but you didn't shun me. Right? He's bringing back to remembrance this love that they had for their pastor. And now he's moved on, and there's others that have come in, and, and this pastor is perplexed because they've forgotten the, the first things. They've forgotten the love that they had for the Gospel and for the man who brought the Gospel. And Paul asked the question, one of the hardest questions is, why? He says, why? Why was you presented the Gospel and you loved me and you, you would have given me your, your own eyes if you could? Why are you turning back now to the lesser things? But remember, he calls them brethren. He calls them his Children, he's not saying you're outside of the faith. He's, he's saying you're in danger of adding things to this faith. And, and here is the message of the whole letter to the Galatians. What do we lose if we add to our life these works thinking that God is going to give us more because of them? We lose our joy. We lose our peace. We lose what Paul calls the sonship. We become slaves again. But it's not something that God has done. That's the most perplexing thing that Paul is asking them. He says, do you realize that you have done this? You have did this to yourself. You have once again placed yourself under a sl as a slave when you're supposed to be a son. You're supposed to be an heir. You are working for favor with God when God has already given you favor as a son. That's what Paul is talking about here. They, they're working, but they have their work in the wrong place. They have their mind in the wrong mindset. They, they're working towards God, and Paul says you think you're gaining, but you're really losing. The more you add, and the more you add, and the more you add, just pushes you further and further and further away from your father, just last week's verses, if you remember, he says, what did we gain in sonship? That we can, we can call out to God, the God of the universe, and we can say, Abba, Father. That is a term of endearment. Right? There's a lot of people, or anybody can walk up to my father, Richard Rambo, and say that I... I'm his son and he is my father, but only I have a relationship. Me and my brother have a relationship with my father where I can call him dad. Right? And, and it means something when, when I do that. Like when I pick up the phone and I call him and I say, dad. It, it means something to, to my father. Right? And, and Paul says that's what we've gained in this sonship that when we bend the knee and we 
pray to our God, we're not praying to a God who doesn't hear us, one thing. We're not praying to a God that doesn't even care for us because He says He does. He desires to hear from us. And when we boldly approach Him on His throne, we say, Father, and it means something. That's what we're in danger of losing. We all know we all know that salvation that salvation is brought by God and it's not in a work of ourselves so that we can't boast. But a lot of us, not just us, but a lot of us live a life with relationship based on works. We want a salvation that, that, that is of God and the grace that comes from salvation and the Lordship of Christ. But, but then I want to try and live my life like I can outwork the Lord. Why is it so hard? This is what Paul is asking. Why is it so hard to live in the peace of the finished work of Christ? Why is it so hard to not try and do the exact same thing that got Satan cast out of heaven? To just try and add a little bit. I'll just do a little bit more. I'll just... I'll just secure myself. I'll, I'll put myself, this is the problem, this is with the wrong mindset. If I do more, then, then God will see me as more. Right? Uh, Brother Josh does a lot of stuff, but I do more, so, so now I'm over Brother Josh. And I'll keep climbing this spiritual ladder until I, I'm with the Lord. That's not how any of this works. See, Satan said the same thing. He, he said, God has given me a lot of stuff to do. I'm over a lot. It, he walked between the altars. How many remembers in Ezekiel? He walked between the altars, ascended the mountain, descended the mountain, brought messages from God to, to heaven. But he said, I, I'm just, I just, I'll do a little more. I'll just exert myself a little more. See, God had exalted him, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. We've been exalted this morning in salvation to sonship, but if we're not careful, we'll want more. I want to pile on. I want to add to this. There is works to be done, but it's a mindset. We lose a lot in this life because of our mindset. It's our perception. It's, it's the way we think about our relationship with God. See, we want to try and put conditions on our relationship with God because uh, truthfully here on earth, that's the only real relationship we know. All of our relationships come with, with conditions. It's just, it's just part of this fallen world. But that's not what we have in Christ. What's the love of God? What's one of the things that we use to describe the love of God? That it's unconditional he loved us first. We hated Him first. But He changed our desires. And, and He brought us into this relationship. How dare us think that I can add to that? What better place is there to be than to be an heir with Christ? Why trade your sonship for slavery? He said these Judaizers come in and they've added these things, and, and now you want to try and uh, worship 
days and months and years and this holy calendar and, and all of these things. You want to try and add this thing and all you're doing is burdening yourself from the real reason why I saved you. That's what, that's what God is standing here telling us through the Apostle Paul is you've been saved for a purpose and there's a work for you to do and you're busy doing these other things and you're not doing the thing that I want you to do. See, I knew whenever I was getting in trouble around, around the house, it didn't take long a lot of times. Dad always worked and, and there was things to be done while he was gone. And uh, there was a list and there was a lot of things on that list, depending on what time of the year it was. But a lot of those things on that list, I didn't want to do, Miss Gina K. They they were they were boring to me, you know, splitting firewood and and feeding animals and cutting grass and and doing this and doing that. So what inevitably I would do, uh, because I, I was very hard at learning, uh, was I would pick the easy things, right? I didn't like cutting grass. It took a long time. We had five acres, but it was a riding lawn mower, so that's pretty easy. Just ride on it. So I would cut the grass, and that'd be pretty good. But here's the problem: is the next day there was still a list, and there was still things to do, and I couldn't cut grass. You can't cut grass every single day. So what is a kid to do? But to wait and to not do his job, and then I would inevitably get. In trouble. See, the problem was God, uh, Dad had given me a list of things to do. There was work to be done, and I, I wanted to pick and choose what work I did. And, and and if the list wasn't something that I wanted to do, then I would just go off and do my my own thing. And the only thing I could tell my dad when when he would come home and he would say, "Why is X, Y, and Z not done?" I would come back to him and say, "Yeah, but I did this," and he would say, "So that didn't need to be done." I need it this done. It's the same thing in our spiritual walk. We are, we are working ourselves to death on things that spiritually don't matter. God has a work for us to do. And one of those works, let's just pick one that we all know out of this spiritual hat witness. Oh, that is, oh no. You want me to talk to somebody about this? You want me to go, you want me to go and live my life out in front of this community? That why can't I just read my Bible, right? Why can't I just pray in secret? Why can't I just fast, right? Why can't I just do the things that are easy? And, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but have you stopped to listen to what God is asking you to do? To see there's a work to be done. And we need to read our Bible. I am not telling you not to read your Bible, to not pray, to not fast. But all of those things, if you read this Bible correctly, in prayer and fasting, that's all a preparation for a work. Right? Why do we read our Bible? Two reasons. One, to know our Lord. Two, to be prepared to, to teach. To tell. Be ready, instant, in season and out of season, to give a defense for the Gospel that you know. Why do I fast? So I can get myself out of the way. Right? But even then, we do that wrongly. Fasting isn't just pushing back a plate or, or, for, or not doing a, a thing, putting down your cell phone, not turning on your TV. What are you doing with that time? You know, you know when you were supposed to be eating, you should be praying and reading and spending time with the Lord when you were 
watching Channel 5 News and you decided TV was a thing I was going to give up for a, a week, right? What are you doing with that time? Because a lot of times, if we're not careful, I'll just add more things to my day. I'm not going to watch TV, but I'll pick up my phone. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat, but I'll go do yard work. I'll add to it, and, and, and you're just wasting time in vain. Paul was perplexed, but he was still speaking to his children, and, and the Spirit speaks expressedly the, the same way, and he says to a lot of us, especially in this modern Christianity, what are you doing? I'm over here trying to work, and, and you're, you're over here trying to blaze new trails. Just, just follow me. John Stotes said, in seeking to win others uh, for Christ, our end is to make them like us. But the means to that end is to make ourselves like them. If they are to become one with us in Christian conviction and experience, we must first become one with them in Christian compassion. That's what Paul says. He says, when I came to you, I was sick, I was broken, and I preached, but I didn't preach as a Jew, as a Hebrew, as a Pharisee. I come to you as a, as a Christian in godly love. And what happened with that? They responded to the Gospel. And he taught them the things of God. All Paul is saying, it's a warning. He's saying, go back. Right? How many has ever read Revelations? What, what is the overarching message of, of all of the churches. Come back. Repent. Come back to your, what? First love. Remember the first things. Because if they were good enough to save you, they're good enough to keep you. And if they're good enough to keep you, they're good enough to show you. And if they're good enough to show you, then you're going to know the work to be done. You don't have to create new things. You don't have to go back to old things. Just look to Christ. Just look to Christ. Paul, he's a Jew of the Jews, but he become like a Gentile. In other words, he didn't bring the baggage. He just presented the Gospel. If God wanted somebody... If God wanted the Galatians to follow the law, then God would have showed the Galatians the law. That's what Paul is saying. It wasn't my position. That's not part of the Great Commission is to go and indoctrinate people to become Baptist or Pentecostal or, or Presbyterian or whatever we bring. Present the Gospel. They don't need to be a denomination. They need to be Christians. They, they need to be Christ. Like, God needs to form them into our Savior. Yes, that comes with indoctrination. I'm not saying nothing about teaching. We teach around here. Everybody should say amen. We preach the Word here. There is doctrines. There is teachings. There is things that we adhere to. There are even traditions that we adhere to. All of that is fine in its place. We're definitely not progressive we're not trying to deconstruct we're not trying to rip things pages out of this bible we're just trying to put them in the right order where do we work at That's what paul is asking 
We become less ourselves, right? When we're saved, we're, we are transformed. We're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God. It's, it's instantaneous. Salvation happens like that. What comes first? What comes second? It all happens at the, at the same time. There's a change. There's a faith. There's a trust. There's a giving up of myself. There's an acknowledging of someone greater than me. It's instantaneous. We are justified by God. But our sanctification, our growth in Christ, that which Paul is talking about here, I labor until Christ is formed in you, our growth in Christ, that's sanctification. And that's a process. That is a lifelong process because there's a lot of me to get out of the way. Die daily, pick up your cross daily. We'll talk about that. We become less ourselves. We become more like Christ. That's where the work is. Have you ever looked at yourself and you're not growing like you should? Probably your fault. It's what the Word, it's what the word says. It's not what Scott says. It's what the Word says because because God is beckoning us, He is calling us, the Spirit says come, right, to go to the Father. And He is willing and able and has the power and the authority to bring us to this point just as fast as we can let go. There, there's a work to be done. There's times of great growth. There's times of stagnant. There's times of no growth. There's even times of backsliding. There's times of coming back. All a process. When Christ is formed in us, we become who God wants us to truly be. You realize in your salvation, you started a path to get to what God truly made you for. I'm not made to, to be a water boy. That's, I mean, I do that. I'm not made for my job. I'm not made for for the, the place that I'm in, for the position that I'm in, for any of that. I'm made to be like Christ. I have a work to do because He's doing a work in me. When Christ is formed in us, our desires are changed. We become the, the kind of people who, who will lovingly accept an ugly, deformed man preaching the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul said. He said, there was no reason for you to accept me. But it was the work of God in you, bringing you to this gospel that I preached. In other words, he says, it would have been better for me to be behind a veil and just to present the gospel because looking at me was a hardship. Looking at me took away from my message because you wasn't listening to what I was saying. You was looking at me. Right? But nevertheless... You heard, you received, the gift was given, you came. And after that, there was a love that was birthed in this, to this man and for this man who the rest of the Galatians, the rest of the world wouldn't even look at him. But you loved me. And now he said, am I now your enemy? Because I've told you the truth. Again, he's acknowledging I've said some hard stuff. Right? He's already anticipating a, a, a return letter. <laughs> right? I'm not your enemy. That's what Paul said. I'm not your enemy. You're my children. I love you. I'm going to tell you some hard things because out of this love, I want it to bring conviction. 
because Paul knew that in conviction there comes repentance. And in repentance comes a writing of oneself. And whenever we get back in line with what God has for us to do, the work goes forward. That's all Paul is doing. He's trying to turn the heads of these people back to God. And that's what we do every week. I try my best to articulate a message, and the message is always the same. Look at Jesus. Get your eyes off of everything that's going on. Don't look right. Don't look left. Look to Christ. Because He's the author and perfecter of the faith that's in you. Look to Christ. If you don't know Christ, you need to know Christ. Verse 9. We'll end with that. That's a huge part. It's a huge thing of what Paul said. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, Paul, Paul gives us some theology still there. How is it that you've turned again? He said you, you've come to understand who God is. You know who God is. But more than that, God knows you. There's been a true change. You are true believers. Don't turn. So what does that tell us, church, today? There is an opportunity to turn from the thing that is right. And we need to put a work in to not do that. That's what Paul is saying. That's what I am saying. That's what the Spirit is saying. Understand that you have an ability, even in your changed self, to turn from God. Don't do it. Shun from that. Kill that thing that's within you, that's keeping you, right? The things that easily beset us. Turn from those things. That's a work for me. God has said that He will take it from me. But I turn. I, I give it to Him. What are we struggling with today? There's things that you, you probably can never utter. It would, it would be so hard to say out loud what you struggle with. But God already knows. All He says is come to me. Tell Him. I don't need to know. It would be better for me not to know. I don't need to know. Go to God. Give Him those things that are hard. And He says He's going to break them. And He's going to remove them. And better yet, He's going to replace with goodness. Making us just a little bit more like His Son. Amen? Who wants to be like Jesus? Are you living it? Are you living it? That's where the work is. All of us, amen. I want to be like Jesus. Live it. That's all, that's all that Paul is telling the Galatians and that's all that I am telling you today. Live out your true desire. If you are truly saved, you have a true desire. And it's veiled and it's covered up in sin and it's covered up in iniquity and it's covered up with flesh. But there is a desire in there somewhere to be like Christ. Dig deep. Find it. Walk in it. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Lord, I thank You. Lord, for the ability to 
gather in Your name, Lord, and to speak on hard things, O God. Lord, but to speak them in love because it comes from a love for You. Lord, I ask that You move in us, Lord, that You break within us those things that easily beset us, Lord. That You convict us, Lord, me included. Lord, that You don't leave us alone. That's the worst thing that can happen to this nation, to this world, Lord, of sinners, is that You leave us alone. Lord, but place Your hand on us and in us. Lord, move about us. Change our desires. Lord, convict us and show us those places that we are weak, Lord, so that You can be made strong in us. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen. These altars are open this morning.